0: Hey friends, and welcome to the rest of the sermon, a deeper dive into the weekly lessons I share with my congregation. This episode will focus on Malachi chapter 2, verses 10 through 16. As always, if you'd like to hear the full sermon, you can follow the link provided in the show notes. This particular sermon is focused on the idea of covenant keeping, so much so that Malachi threw, or God, through Malachi, um chastises the people of Israel, the people of Judah, for uh breaking the covenants, specifically the covenant of marriage, for divorcing uh haphazardly, perhaps, uh the wives of their youth and marrying outside of the religion. We're gonna talk more specifically about this idea of uh interreligious marriage today on the podcast. It's a pretty heavy topic. It's a big topic. Um, To be honest, this entire sermon was a pretty heavy sermon. So um, we're not going to shy away from difficult conversations. Uh, Instead, we're going to seek to dig a little deeper. In doing so, we think about the word, the idea of covenant, as it's presented in the Old Testament. Uh, Yahweh, God, the Creator, uh, makes a covenant with His people. His people, the people of Israel, uh, the people that he chose that were selected. um, And the language in the Old Testament would suggest that those outside of Israel, outside of the chosen people, were considered to be heathens, uh, living life uh, dedicated to other gods, false gods, things of that nature. And so it became very important uh, that the people of Israel Uh, continue to honor the covenant that God made with them. And one of the ways that they did that was through this covenant of marriage and marrying within the religion, marrying within those who had the same beliefs. Uh, The idea, I believe, as it's presented, is that uh, if they went outside of this and brought in, uh, again, the, the Old Testament language, brought in heathens, uh, then you, you quote-unquote dirty up the, uh, the gene pool. Now, again, strong language, strong ideas, strong thoughts, and we're going to transition from this Old Testament ideology and, uh, and look and see what, uh, what someone from the New Testament has to say about this. But before we do, I, again, I want to just make sure we're on the same page as to why this was such a big deal so god makes this covenant with his people that essentially he will uh, protect them he will uh, build them up he will provide for them if they hold up their end of the bargain Uh, and their end of the bargain included all of uh, the commandments and uh, the laws for living that we find in leviticus and uh, things of that nature and so we we fast forward now to again post Exile um, Israel, uh, where Malachi is prophesying to the people of Israel, saying, uh, first calling out the priests, calling out the sacrifices that have been given, and now taking that message from the church, from the sanctuary, and to the home, and saying, even here you break covenants with God. Now, we've talked uh, about how. Uh, Malachi makes these um, these these prophecies uh, some four hundred years or so before the birth of Christ, and we've also talked about, especially through sacrifice and 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 things of that nature, um, how much changes after Christ. You know, the the thought that the old covenant is fulfilled and we're given a new covenant. And so, if that's the case, then what still stands? What do we have? Uh, with this new covenant. What does God say about intermarriage between religions now? Uh, For this information, uh, I'm going to be taking us to uh, the words of Paul. We're going to be looking at Paul's first letter to the Corinthians and then Paul's second letter to the Corinthians uh, for the basis of where we stand now. So first, we're going to look uh, at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 12 through 16. Uh, so if you'd like to follow along again, that's 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 12 through 16. To the rest, I, not the Lord, that if any brother, or to the, I'm sorry, to the rest, I say, I, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is, a, who is an unbeliever, and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise your children would be unclean. But as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you you will save your husband, or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Now, a few things that are interesting here again is this idea that what's presented by Paul is that uh, the marriage between a believer and a non-believer has the ability to make the other, the non-believer, holy, and so it's not uh, grounds, if you will, for divorce. Uh, we know that, that the reasoning or that divorce was allowed uh, through the Old Testament. Uh, in Deuteronomy, there's, there's uh, logic given, reasoning given as to why a divorce could happen. And so uh, in Malachi, there's not an outright um, denial of the ability of divorce. What we do read in the, the 16th verse is that God hates divorce, uh, but God does not ban or prohibit divorce. And so here in, in, in Corinth, the, first, the first letter to the Corinthians, Paul is suggesting that uh, if you are married outside of your religion, uh, if you are married outside of your religion, that that union could provide for the holiness uh, or uh, could make holy uh, the, the partner who is a non-believer. It's an interesting idea. Uh, however, I would warn you, don't get too married to this idea. Uh, let's look at 2 Corinthians, same author, same audience, different letter, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Alright, are you ready for this? Here we go. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has as light with darkness in other words here we have Paul saying don't do that uh, don't marry outside of the religion because then you will be unequally yoked um, and so it's it's the the double message right I mean we've got Paul uh, in the first letter saying it's okay uh, and if you do this you are providing uh, holiness for your partner and then in the second layer saying in the second letter saying no, don't do this. It's not okay. You're unevenly yoked then. And so where are we left? What do you do? What Where do you fall on this issue? Uh, ultimately, I think the bigger question um, is where does God fall on this issue, on this uh, quandary, this question of if you are married to someone who doesn't believe, wh- what does that mean? Uh, What does that mean for them? What does that mean for you? What does that mean for your children? I mean, there's all these questions. I'm going to make a a couple suggestions to you um, that I think uh, they're they're not answers. uh, And maybe maybe do nothing more than add more questions to uh, what we're considering today. But I, I do think that they're important. When we think about what does God believe, how does God feel about this, my, my first question would be, is where do we turn to find that out? Where do you turn to get that answer? And, and my hunch that most of you are saying is, well, we turn to the Bible. I mean, this is the word of the Lord, and this is where we find God's guidance to us. We turn to the life of Christ Uh, who was the example uh, of what it means to be a disciple, what it means to be a Christ follower. He, He had these disciples and taught them. And so we can look at the ways that he taught them. And so then my next question to you would be, so, okay, if you do that, what do you learn? What do you see? I think if we look at scripture, if we look at the Bible as the word of the Lord, what we see are conflicting messages. You have just, again, looking at Paul and his letters, you have one instance where he says, hey, if you're unequally yoked, then you provide holiness for your partner. And then another example where he says, don't do that. Don't be unequally yoked. Uh, because, you know, ha- who who gets light from darkness? Uh, and who gets righteousness from lawlessness? Uh, and so uh, perhaps if we look at Scripture, there's conflicting Messages, but what if we look at the life of Christ? What if we look at what he taught his disciples, what he taught those in the audience? I'm thinking about um, examples around uh, what he talked about regarding relationship, Uh, and I'm remembering a, a time when someone, a woman, was drugged to him by a pack of men. Uh, and the charge essentially was she's an adulterer right uh and of course the punishment for adultery was stoning and the crowd looked to jesus to give the orders basically to cast the rocks and what does jesus say jesus says to them you without sin let you who are without sin throw the first stone Uh, in other words um, The the holiest among you, right? I mean, if there's anyone here who hasn't messed up or made a mistake, you go for it. Uh, Of course, no rocks were thrown that day, right? Uh, And you may be thinking, what's that have to do with marriage? And I'll tell you where where I come down on this or why I think that's important. Um, Jesus recognized and taught uh, all of us to reconcile our own issues before we start looking out at others, Jesus taught or helped us to see that none of us, none of us, meet the standard that has been given. None of us uphold the covenant that was made. Right, uh, and I believe it's through that understanding, through that realization, that we we have this person uh, in Christ who comes down to earth uh, again to make that final sacrifice to reconcile the differences, to fulfill a covenant that was given, and then to begin a new covenant with us. And do you remember what that new covenant was? You see, the old covenant in the Old Testament was long. (laughs) There were a lot of requirements, a lot of laws, a lot of expectations. I mean, we've got a whole book, Leviticus, written about laws. And Jesus says, there's only one. There's one requirement. Uh, And then he sneaks in, too, after this. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Right? And then love your neighbor as yourself. So, the burden that is given to us is not, hey, figure out if your neighbor is holy. It's not, hey, figure out if your neighbor is living right. It's not, hey, figure out if your neighbor is a Christian. It's love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Don't ask questions. There's a, uh, a bumper sticker or something that I saw um, saw uh, somewhere that, that essentially said, love first, ask questions later, uh, which I thought was, was pretty brilliant um, and a pretty good way of summing up what we've been called, what we've been asked to do. So what do we think about this idea of marriage and intermarriage, and where do we stand on that today? I'm going to leave that question up for you to answer, and perhaps most importantly, I'm going to thank you for coming along on this journey, Uh, a journey that we dig in a little deeper and we don't always leave with answers, but one thing that I hope we all know is true is that we can look to the life of Christ, we can look to the example that's given, to help us understand a little further. To help us figure out how do we live out this life that we've been called to do. So again, thanks for joining us today. Now you've heard the rest of the sermon. I do want to thank you for joining us. As always, uh, if you have any feedback for me, you can send that to the rest of the sermon at gmail.com. Those would be questions. Uh, or just feedback, comments about the episodes, things you think could be better or things you wish were done differently. I'd love to hear those and read those. Thanks for joining us on this trip and this journey. I hope that you will come back again next week when we gather for the rest of the sermon.